Welcome back to Screenfish Radio. I am so glad that you could join us today. Uh, we are here to do a little bit of something different this week. We want to do a full recap of our experience at uh, the Toronto International Film Festival this year. And we actually have with us today the entire TIFF army, if you will, for Screenfish. Uh, Julie Levac, Shayun Aloake, Jason Tai, and Daniel Eng. Everyone is here. Welcome, everyone. Um, and and thank you for all your hard work. I I don't know what the final number of films you are. I'd love to hear what that is, but I can only imagine that between the four of between the five of us, we probably saw well over a hundred films, um, or or close to it, which is absolutely insane to me. Um, but uh, tell me, how was your how was your TIFF experience? What was it like for you this year? It's a little bit of a different year. It was really good. I, I didn't participate in TIFF last year. So this year was great kind of coming back to it. I went to Festival Street, which really kind of reignited. The, that, that's always very much like the, the introduction to TIFF or the welcoming, you know what I mean? Like it just really kickstarts the vibe for everybody, in my opinion. So I thought, I thought it was great. I mean, obviously the elephant in the room was the writer's strike and the actor's strike. So we were interested to see what TIFF was going to be like during this time. Um, certainly there was a lot less actor presence there, but I really don't think that it largely affected the overall uh, the TIFF wonder. Um, there were still some incredible films to watch uh, writers, directors to listen to and interview. So it was, um, it was really fun. I thought it was a great year. Now, now Jules, since you were, since you were talking about it there, you missed last year, but really this would have been your first time back in several years because the pandemic changed our, the way we interacted with it. Right. And I think this would be your first was this your first TIFF in, in four, maybe four years, was it, would it not? Or were you back in those times? I, I participated in TIFF two years ago, but it was all digital or drive-in. So it was a COVID TIFF. So yeah, this is my first proper TIFF back with, with in-person. Did that, uh, did you feel, I know, I know like you and I have been doing this for a long time. Did you feel a bit of the old drive back or was it sort of like, well, you know, mid I thought it was good. I thought it was really good. I mean, you know, you're sitting in Princess of Wales. I, there was a lot more at Scotiabank for me. I don't think I've ever had that much at Scotiabank. Uh, and most of my films, I would say, were at uh, Princess of Wales. So I didn't actually get to see a screening at the light box or anything like that. But yeah, no, I, I think it felt pretty, pretty much the way that it used to be. That's great. That's great. What a, what a, someone else what do you how was your tiff experience uh no it was really good um thought it was really good event like last year um i learned a lot i know we're going to do that later but i can say my piece now um i didn't know actually how uh this press and industry screeners worked um i didn't know we could just walk in and just use our badge last year I didn't do that at all uh, but last year they gave us 20 tickets, like 20 advanced tickets, and this year they only gave us 10. 
Um, so that was like a new experience and like understanding how that worked. Uh, I also stayed down there for the first time. Um, and it was really good, very convenient, just staying at the Hyatt. Uh, but no, overall, it was a good experience. Um, yeah, the film selection was decent. I don't know. <laughs> Now you you originally I think you were talking about taking less films and you ended up doing more than that I think if that's if I remember correctly the list that you shared us before was shorter than what you ended up seeing. Did you? I was mostly ten because I didn't know that you could. I didn't want to rush blind because it's very hard to get in. Yeah. Uh, and then I didn't know about the screening for uh, press and industry that you could just walk in. So then after I found that out, I was like, okay, I could build my schedule a bit better. I saw, instead of 10, I saw 17, and then I did 11 reviews so far. It's pretty decent, I would say. It's four more than last year. That's great. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll go with Shay next, and then we'll come back to, we'll come to Daniel. Shay, what was your tiff like this year? Did you think it was different than last, or better, or worse? I think it was definitely different than last year. Last year was my first TIFF, um, like covering TIFF. And so I feel like I personally felt more excited about it, like going in than I did going into this one. But then also because like last year, all of like the celebrities were there. I feel like I did more festival street stuff and more like rush, li rush lines and the whole like TIFF experience. Whereas this year I kind of went in just for the films. Like I didn't do any interviews. I didn't do any rush lines, I think. Yeah, I just had like advanced tickets to go in. So I was just there solely for the films. So it felt different, but at the same time, I don't think, I don't think I enjoyed this less than I did last year. I think I really enjoyed still like just absorbing the films and thinking about them in my free time of what, of what they were saying and what they meant. Um, Yeah, so I enjoyed this tip as well. You know, it, it... It was funny because I mean, of of the whole team, I saw you the most. Like you and I hung out the most, and I we would sit in the up, up in the uh, the ticket exchange area, and just chat. Like we're between screenings or something, I'd be working on my laptop, and Shay and I would just be talking about about films, and that was great. It was great. We were sharing about things because you saw things I didn't see, and vice versa, and it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. I only tried rush lighting once and it was actually I tried twice and it did not work out both times. It was for Woman of the Hour and Dick's the musical. It was like impossible. Like I came like 20, 30 minutes early and it was like already a second line was forming after the first group went in. It's fine. You didn't need to see one of those. <laughs> you not like Dick's the musical or Woman of the Hour? Uh, I didn't like Dix the Musical. It was my least favorite film of TIFF, actually, ended up being. Not that it was horrible, horrible, but I just, everything else was either okay or good or great. <clears throat> you know, that's the funny thing about when you do, like, rankings or something like that. Like, the films that you see, I find that at TIFF, if, if something can be at the bottom of your list, and people will look at it and say, wow, you really hated that. Like, well, no, I just liked everything else better. Like, it, it's yeah. very interesting, that, that relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, Daniel, 
This was your your first. It was, was not your first time at TIFF, though, was it? This no. Was your first with us. Your first as press. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what was it like stepping in there with the keys to the kingdom in your hand or around your neck, I suppose? Yeah. No, it was just an absolute privilege. I felt, you know, even though I was waking up early for a lot of P&Is, it just felt like an absolute privilege to see these films that, like, so many people wanted to see. And unfortunately, some of them didn't. And to be able to see them. Um, honestly, like, one thing I do like about P&Is overall is that that's when it's about the movie. So when it came to movies I really cared about, that's when the experience was probably at its best overall. Like seeing in Scotiabank, you don't have to worry about being in Roy Thompson Hall of Princes of Wales and kind of being stuck from weird angles or having even part of the screen cut off for you, which is a reality in some of those venues. But um, yeah, so yeah, I got to see some, like I got to see basically everything I wanted, which I definitely couldn't say for last year. Um, And while maybe this year had some of the less buzzy titles, not as many big auteurs or even probably less stars than it would have in a non-strike year. Um, or just maybe potentially because TIFF is less prioritized for some studios these days. But what I did see, I all like, yeah, generally very much enjoyed. Um, yeah, just great. Also got to see some great public screenings. Um, yeah, it was all just a great time. I really enjoyed it. You know, you, you make a great point there. I, I was I would love to hear from you all. Public screenings versus P and I. I I went to my the, believe it or not, this year was my first P and I as well. Cause normally those mornings I'm running around, I'm doing other things. Uh it, people usually when I'm doing doing interviews, they're in those early hours. Um, so I'd never done one before. I would love to hear from you all what you prefer. <laughs> if you had to say from tiff from now on i could only do one or the other which would it be public 100 percent. why uh more lively a crowd less business focused they do a little introduction usually uh the cast or director is there as well um <clears throat> for the press and industry it's all business they're just watching it to write a review it's work for them um there's no advantage going to a press and industry unless you just want to watch the movie and that's it I, I don't even think they do the i could be wrong but i don't even think they do the beginning part where you know you do you clap to the test members I, I think they actually skip that as well um yeah yeah the um the i guess for lack of a better term commercials at the beginning were about half the uh half the length as in a, a public screening. I agree. I think public screenings are uh, much more fun. There's just that more of that vibe. Um, you have an introduction typically, and then there's a pretty good chance that somebody from the film is going to come out and at least say hi and thank you, sometimes do a Q&A. Um, I think there's, there's positives and negatives for both. But yeah, I would definitely say public screening, P&I, um, sometimes it's nice to kind of chat with another press person and, you know, you've got something in common. Um, and there's there's some people in the public screenings that have never been to a TIFF film before, so they don't really understand the, I don't know what you would call it, you know, they just don't really understand it. 
So if somebody's clapping at the, uh, at the, <laughs> at the, um, the commercial or saying R at the piracy thing, they're all just like, wait, what, what's happening? <laughs> Um, so that's kind of funny and fair enough. I was probably saying the same thing at my first TIFF screening. Um, but yeah, I get it. I get the venue thing too. Like Roy Thompson, when I saw the critic, I had a massive head in front of me. So definitely feeling a bit distracted throughout it. Um, but yeah, I, I would say public screening if you can. You never forget your first R. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, and, and some are better than others. True. <laughs> I feel Should like, I, like yeah. there were some films I really wanted to see a public screening of because I wanted to be with like fans and I wanted to get everybody's like emotions, but then I couldn't get in. And that's my only thing is like sometimes when it's a really big film then there's no space or you have to like fight <laughs> for a ticket. And that's the only time I prefer PNIs because I'm like, well, at least I know that I'm, more likely to get a seat in this one than in a public screening but yeah i agree with everyone else public screenings are more they're way more interesting and more fun i don't even mind sitting like at the back of the roy thompson or the princess of wales if i'm just in the room like i can see what's going on vaguely at least and there's the vibe is worth the little screen i think for me i i i hear you actually that's a great point is it's a lot easier to get into a pni for sure. But uh, it is so interesting. I had I so I went to my first PI screening um, this year. And it was such it was it was so interesting coming out people were so much angrier. <laughs> it, it was so funny. I mean, because and and I mean, the film was not great. I won't say what it was. But my goodness, like the vibe is so different. And, and I think it's the reasons people are there. I think, I think it was Jason. I think you said that, um, it's totally different. Like they're there because they want to see this film with stars they like, or because they're interested in the subject matter. Whereas at the P and I's it's all people that work there. So they're already grading this thing. Like some people are just going there because they want it. They want some of the, so they want some of the big show, right? Like this is what they want. Um, but but it was very different vibe uh at the pni which was fascinating to me because i i still love the pirate r uh i still i i strangely have gotten addicted to that stupid bulgaria ad. <laughs> drives me it's the the worst commercial ever created in human history my question is who started the clapping my husband was saying that they must have planted somebody in the very first <laughs> showing of that commercial, had them clap, and they're like, we're going to start this trend for the entire week and a half. Like, truly, how does it start? How does it carry on in every theater? This was Who the started the wave in uh, sports stadiums? <laughs> yeah, right. we could ask this no. question about many things. I've got a question for you, Cameron Bailey, and it's who's starting <laughs> I will email him immediately. In all seriousness, in all seriousness, um, this commercial was there last year. Uh, we, we, Shay and Jason and I were laughing about it last time we did the TIFF recap. And it, it took about half the festival for the clapping to start. Because when we, when the fest, when they started showing it in the first weekend, people were looking at it like, 
what is this? Why is there a peacock? <laughs> why, why is Zendaya just going like this? And what, what's happening? And about halfway through, that's what happened. Some, and then this year, I guess they thought, well, people liked it. I don't know if they know that we're clapping ironically. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if anybody thinks hey, it's commercial. It stays in your mind. That's marketing, you know? It is marketing. And I'm you not going to forget that ad. I might be able to afford, you know, a premier ticket at TIFF, but I certainly cannot afford a Bulgari necklace. Like, please. Now. Please. Why? If you're uh, uh, donating a lot of money to TIFF, you are perhaps their target audience. And you'll <laughs> be like, why is everyone clapping? <laughs> then you'll never get it out of your head. And then one day, when you're just casually picking out jewelry as you might at that price level, you're just like, oh, I recognize this. <laughs> it's at least that's what they imagine, I guess. There will be some people that will not know that clapping is ironic or satirical and be like, wow, this brand is clearly very popular. Very good brand, obviously. There's a lot of enthusiasm. <laughs> You know? It would take a special this. kind of person to realize or, or to not realize that it's ironic. <laughs> um, I mean, anybody who works for Bulgari, I guarantee you right now thinks it's not ironic. <laughs> this is, we're, we, we've really hit something here. Hey, maybe they at least think that we're clapping for uh, Zendaya and Anne Hathaway. So they're like, we put the right people in this ad. We did it. <laughs> And the music, you can clap along to it. This, you know, it's all coming together. Do you notice how, like, when the music cuts out, this is a very odd thing, but it cuts out in the ad and comes back in at a different time, um, like, I guess, BPM or whatever. So people have to adjust their clapping. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's very awkward. <laughs> they're, they're on board, and then halfway through, it's... <laughs> like it's like they lose it just fizzles out i don't know you could do a whole case study into marketing and sociology on the the bulgari ad at this point at tiff i think you could investigate help your thesis or university from it pretty sure you could there's enough there the deep psychological ration yeah but you, you know going back to sort of that but that communal experience is so fun mm -hmm. and uh you know, it, it's always funny going back to pirate R, just running the, the piracy R. There's there's a thing that happens every single time. The piracy ad comes up, people go R, and then people laugh because they're laughing at themselves being silly. And then there's always mumbling. And that mumbling is always, what are they doing and why are people laughing? Why did they do that? Oh, oh. And then those people that are learning for the first time do it the next time they go. So like, I want to be cool. I want to know what's happening. <sighs> it's the you become part of the cult. It, they're cultivating a cult for real. They actually are. Once you see like one TIFF movie, you're like, wait, I've you know, if you ever have tickets for two more, you're like, oh, those are gonna be. Yeah, I'm gonna be ready. I'm ready. <laughs> my Just question my is, number put that on the screen do you all do the r because i've done it a couple of times uh, i i have no shame typically in life but there's something about the r that makes me feel a little silly 
<laughs> I know Steve does it religiously. I do it, but I don't else. start it. I, 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 I haven't gotten confident enough to start the R. Yeah. Because I feel like any, if, if nobody else is doing it, I'm going to get kicked out of the theater. <laughs> Definitely don't accidentally do it in a P&I. Yeah, or two. That'll be yeah. fun, actually. I'm almost surprised there wasn't because I know there's definitely a lot of P&I people who are down with it, but then everyone's like, oh, no, okay, no, we're serious here. We don't, we don't screw around. I always watch the audience when I go in, like I look around before the movie starts and I'm like, oh, this is an R audience. Or this is an R audience. So that's what you I can do. tell. There's like yeah. something about them. Also yeah. depends on the movie. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. I walked into the zone of interest and I was like, this is an enthusiastic crowd. Like they're ready for this movie. It's also about the Holocaust. <laughs> I feel like people are going to be a little more, you know, on edge. Not exactly uh, ready to exactly have a good time. You know? Yeah. Next goal wins. People were on board at next goal wins. Zone of interest? Maybe. Maybe you're not. I don't know where you draw the line. I bet Midnight Madness gets a lot of enthusiasm for that sort of thing i've never seen one i'm too old just kidding now jason's done, did a few this year didn't you do or did you just do one last year i did like four but this year only one worked out with my schedule uh so i only did the one and it was that movie uh i forgot what it's called was that fingernails evil lurks it was what sorry Evil Lurks or something. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think evil, I think it's Evil Lurks. I think that was it, actually. I think you're right. Uh, when Evil Lurks. Right. Uh, that was good. Um, so it is definitely a way more lively crowd. People yell and stuff. Um, especially last year, too. I was, like, sitting beside for one movie. I think it was VHS. This guy was yelling the whole movie, like every scene, and he's like giving his opinion. <laughs> it's pretty nuts. It's a good crowd. It's uh, yeah. I've only ever done one. I did uh, oh the one about uh, Tommy Wiseau. What was it? Which room? The room. Not the disaster. Disaster artist. Disaster artist. And it's fascinating. Like it is, it is a completely unique experience. And I was, I loved the experience. And and my old man body was like, nope, I'm. I don't need to do anymore. I, <laughs> I was. The movie started eleven fifty nine. I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, can't do it. <laughs> I have a question, and this just came up, and it's not really TIFF related. What do you think your favorite experience in a theater has been ever, not just TIFF? And it didn't necessarily have to be the movie, but like the whole theater experience was your favorite. I, I always think about this question. The first time Get Out came out when 20, was it 16? Um, I was an infant. Yeah, Get Out, yeah. The that was a little, it might be 2016 now, actually. Yeah. It'd be almost. I was in university in England. I was in this town called Bournemouth, which is kind of small, not too small, but they had just done a new like ODN cinema thing. So it was brand new. I'd never been in before. And my friend and I were like, oh, let's go see Get Out. And it was showing in this brand new like theater. And we got like the VIP 
theater seats like they reclined and like they had like nachos and cheese on trays this was my first time in that type of theater and my first time seeing get out with my friends and I was like oh this is the best day of my life it's still in my head that's the best my best cinema experience ever yeah hilarious because that's literally mine too really? was get out Ooh. I saw get out in the theater in the middle of Scarborough I've never had a better crowd in my life they were all like cheering and yelling at the screen it was so fun. What was funny about mine was my friends and I were the only black people in the theater. So everybody else, they were white. So they were all confused. Like if we were laughing and stuff, they'd be like, okay, what's good? And they, they're British as well. So it's more like, you know. So, so funny. Yeah, it was fun. Awesome. What about you guys? Um, I think I saw, I saw Avengers Endgame the Thursday came out it was like the day public release and that was like everyone there is like a diehard fan for the series like watched through all 20 movies uh, definitely there they uh to you know just get no spoilers basically uh i think that was a really good crowd uh, every scene they were like cheering and like and booing. like they were very vocal um the theater itself was just an okay theater like something like Fairview or something I don't remember exactly uh but no that was really good I also watched Spider-Man that was a similar one in their Marvel movie with Steve was there too yeah um but no it's, it's a much more lively crowd and you know everyone if you see it early you know everyone there is like a diehard fan that has seen every single movie before leading up to this sequel yeah Daniel what about you this is a great question Jules it is. Um, <clears throat> they're all more recent. Um, I don't know. That's tough. I think when I had to answer this question, it was actually I won opening night tickets, TIFF twenty twenty one, the one of the in person screens. The opening night film was Dear Evan Hansen, and I can um, having seen it twice, I can safely say it easily raised the quality and experience of a film more than any other probably, because like. You know, I was into it. It was like my first TIFF in-person experience. You know, all the pretty much like so much of the cast was there. Julianne Moore, you know, the director was there, you know, all the intros and everything. And like the crowd was into it. And like everyone also felt very excited to be back in a cinema after the pandemic. So there was that energy. And like, yeah, I don't know. The film has a ton of flaws having seen it twice. But like, I really enjoyed it that one time. You know, it, it did feel like it was very much a communal experience. Everyone was like feeling those emotions, you know, especially like in how the direct, you know, probably thinking about the director's words and how this film and mental health related to the pandemic, you know, it all felt very, uh, very well put together in that way. And so, and that was at Roy Thompson Hall. I was in, you know, at the, in the orchestra. So it was good seats and yeah, it was great. You know, um, yeah, that's a, that's a great pick. And I, I have too many. I was thinking like this, like this is not, you're not talking about my favorite film. You're just talking about a great experience. Yeah, exactly. And, and there have been, you know, quite a few over the years. Gravity at TIFF was a downright life-changing experience for me. It was sort of, that's a wild thing. Um, there was, uh, I got your, you know what? Avengers Endgame was a special night. I'm not going to lie. Everybody was super into it. That was like, Felt like an event, but there are two two that come to mind that are that are short. One is when I saw 
um, uh, Patriot Games with Harrison Ford. And the reason why I say this is a film that changed my life, it's because I was 15 when this came out. So I'm super dating myself here when I say this. Uh, I was going, it was the first time that I recall really, I mean, I'd had, I'd been to a theater without my parents before, but it was the first time I'd been to a theater uh, really without, really on my own. I was 15 and it was an R-rated movie. And I was going, I went there to see Batman Returns and they were sold out and I called home. I'm like, this one's 14A, can we go? And, and we went. And that was the first time that I'm like, oh, my eyes just went like movies are amazing <laughs> it was like um it was pretty wild um the other one involves someone here um and, and and i think daniel's gonna hate me for this when i say which film this was because the film is justin timberlake and the tennessee kids and I saw it with Jason Ty. No, you got okay. See, it's not about a great film. You got to hear me out. JT and I saw that at TIFF. It was his first TIFF movie ever, and this this picture just came up in, in my in my Facebook memories. I had a I had an extra gala pass. I was just going to use it. The only one that fit my schedule was this this one, and I was like, Jason, you want to go with me? you know, um, he's going to be there. It was in Roy Thompson Hall. I'm like, I mean, at the very least, it'll be kind of fun for a couple hours. You can see what Tiff is like. But it, the experience of watching it was nuts. Like, J Jason, you remember this, right? Like, you remember the the room when Jason's like hiding now. No, <laughs> but like, so the, mo the movie starts, it's just a straight up concert. That's all it is. It's Justin Timberlake in concert. And like, I noticed about by the second song, Justin Timberlake's on screen saying, clap your hands, clap your hands. And I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. But people start around to start clapping their hands. And then he does the thing. He's like, pull out your cell phone, pull out your cell phone, start doing this. People around us in Roy Thompson Hall pull out their cell phone and are lighting it up it's not real <laughs> it's a screen and by the fifth song everybody's up dancing and singing along it was the craziest thing i was like this is like it was almost church like everybody was into this thing like i've never seen and because i it was totally unexpected and because of the venue uh, I'm not saying it's the best concert documentary by any stretch i'm not saying it's phenomenal i'm not saying this but the experience was amazing <laughs> that sounds so cool it was so fun it was so fun um and it was just like why is this happening here okay fine it's not like justin timberlake was on stage it was just a we were watching a screen he came out waved to the crowd and that was it but it was it was good that was a good experience speaking of the first movie i've seen in theaters without parental guidance the Ladybugs, Rodney Dangerfield, Jonathan Brandis, really highlighted my life. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I remember that film. That that would just open up new worlds for you right there. I just looked, and that came out in 92. So I was like eight. My daughter is nine. I would not let her go. Like, times are so different. I would absolutely not let that happen. 
I hear you. I hear you. Uh, I, I remember from that Justin Timberlake night, um, Brian Cranston walking down the red carpet. That was the only part I remember. He was just like randomly there and people took photos. And then I think Jennifer Gardner as well. Yeah. yeah. At the TIFF event for Justin Timberlake's? No, no, no. We, okay, so here's what happened. We had parked in the Princess of Wales to walk over to Roy Thompson Hall. Jason had never been to TIFF. And I remember this, I remember this moment so clearly. And he and we're coming out of the parking lot and he went, So what's the big deal about TIFF? And I said, Well, you just never know what's gonna happen. And I swear on my life, instantly he turns to his left and there's Brian Cranston. And at the time, this was like at the height of his powers. Breaking Bad was still on TV. Jason was in loved with Breaking Bad at the time. Of course. And uh, and he was just like, holy crap. <laughs> and that was it. That was the moment right there. And I was That's like, the power. Oh, it does not take long. I didn't know he was going to be there. Jason didn't know he was going to be there. And bam. And uh, that's right. Yeah, that would be more significant for you for sure. Um, that was a fun night. That was a fun night. Uh, okay, back to this year. Let's talk about your top films. I would love to hear what your top, I don't know, you say whatever you want, top five, top three, top, just your top, whatever you got. I don't know, whatever you think is you want to mention. Uh, I'd love to hear what, what you have. Dumb Money is my top film. That was my vote for People's Choice as well what was sorry dumb money <laughs> uh no that was my favorite that was the most thrilling i think well i guess that was like more typical movie you'd see in a theater as well uh but i really like that i also am biased because i i kind of lived that experience as well but no i think that was a really funny good movie really showcased that I guess that time as well as like the subreddit and then all the drama that was going on with, in the news as well with billionaires and this small little subreddit. It's really good. I, I think that was definitely my favorite. I knew that was going to be top or one of the top on your list for sure before the festival started. That I, I knew that was going to hit different for you. Yeah. Um, Daniel, what about you? Um, first of all, I'm going to be a contrarian and say, well, based on the fact that all my favorite films this year were PNIs, I maybe prefer PNIs if I'm being honest, you know, that nice big. Scotia Bank. Sometimes it was cold, actually. They were really turning up the AC and I was wearing shorts and a t-shirt. I was like, it's kind of cold in here, actually. Um, but no, um, The Boy and the Heron ended up being probably my top film. Um, it blew me away. Miyazaki is insanely creative. Like, you know, makes it makes you feel like a kid again, even if like the plots and all that strong. You're just always like, what's he going to do next? What a fun creature is going to do? What new world or area of the world is going to send this character into? How is that going to relate to this character's emotional state? You're just, you know, totally in um, zone of interest was haunting uh, to say easily. It sticks in your mind. He like, you know. Like, in theory, the Holocaust is, like, almost, like, easiest thing to get you to be emotional slash think about it. But he also, like, does it with a restraint 
and with a precise technique that just stays with you. Anatomy of a Fall, I really liked. It was very well done. Uh, Love the performances. Dream Scenario with Nick Cage was a great movie. Um, you know, fun screenplay overall, despite, you know, having some trying to say some things, but mostly just being funny and kind of terrifying at the same time. Um, Evil Does Not Exist. I discovered I like Riske Hamaguchi's movies. It was very slow burn, but, you know, I was in it, you know, I was I was really enjoying that one. Uh, those are... How many films did you actually get to see? Uh, I totaled to 32. 28 of those were festival ones and then four from the screens before. So, yeah. Nice. That's awesome. You're going to laugh. You're going to laugh, Daniel. Because you, you and I were talking later on in the week. Yeah. I topped out at 32. There it wow. is. No, I, no, that makes sense. I actually kind of figured, I thought you were maybe going to beat me, actually, from the way you're talking. I was kind of surprised with you talking about all the interviews you're doing. It's like, you're also putting up these, uh, getting these screenings, watching these movies, too. So, like, yeah. It helped yeah. a lot. Screeners help a lot. Yeah. The assist that sends you a screener for an interview helps a lot, because scheduling isn't an issue anymore. Yeah. Uh, but, uh Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Those are great picks too. Love that. Shay, what about you? Okay. Um, I have my top five. The movie teller was one I really liked. I think like my top four are movies that were emotional for me. For some, I had a very emotional week at the end of Tiff, by the way. Like, like the last three days for me were very weird. <laughs> um, and all the films I saw were kind of like feeding into that. So the movie teller was one, just because of how like amazing it made movies feel and seem and how like you know when children watch films and they're just so like bright-eyed and like it's like this big happy thing that was that for me I really really like Concrete Utopia especially uh, by the end of TIFF when I was rethinking about it I was like that movie actually is better now than it was when I watched it uh there's a film called called City of Wind there's one called Swan Song and the last one is called Sleep which is more like thriller horror-ish but i also really liked yeah very cool um yeah i know concrete utopia was your was your baby uh, yeah. <laughs> uh was that that was the one we did the red carpet for was it I not thought, like i did everything i could to get myself in front of <laughs> in front of actors <laughs> had everything i could it, it was a very special experience uh, running, you know, back up for Shay on a red carpet for Concrete Utopia. It was one of the highlights of my week, actually. It really was just because you were so excited and it was just it was so it was so pure. I was like, this is just so such a great moment. Yeah. Um, Jules, what about you? What are your tops? Uh, my tops. So I, I saw the film that won best documentary, which was Mr. Dress Up. So I come from, you know, a childhood of Mr. Dress Up and it wasn't just that, you know, uh, it mentioned a lot about Mr. Rogers and Sharon Lois and Bram and all that, all the like, you know, typical Canadian childhood um, favorites. And so, it, and I also, you know, had an emotional week and I, 
I saw it on a particularly emotional day. So I was like, nope, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna put my tough exterior on. I'm not gonna cry because if I cry, I will not stop crying. Literally the, uh, the gentleman who introduced the film, who I can't recall who it was, I think it was somebody from TIFF. Nobody from the film was there. It was, you know, one of the last days of TIFF. So a lot of the people have gone home by then. Uh, but the person who was introducing the film mentioned that they cried and almost started crying just introducing the film. And I'm like, oh, geez, this is, this is going to be intense. Uh, it was very good, very nostalgic. Um, and, you know, it just, I, I think the reason it won, yeah, it was a good documentary. Did it, you know, I, when, when you think about actual filmmaking, it was fine. I, I wouldn't say that it blew me away, but I think that it really captured the hearts of like the Canadian adults who were children at the time and who were super affected and essentially raised by people like Mr. Dress Up. So of course that's definitely one of my favorites. Um, my other favorite would be Wicked Little Letters. I, I really like Jessie Buckley. I've been following her career since I interviewed her in 2017, I think, at TIFF. So uh, I thought it was super funny, loved the like ridiculous amount of swearing. Jesse Buckley, Buckley and Olivia Coleman have such an incredible chemistry. So when the two of them do something together, I think it's it's always gonna be uh, it's always gonna be a hit, in my opinion. And then I would say my third favorite was the burial, uh, which was um, Tommy Lee Jones and Jamie Foxx. So it was a drama, but it was very funny. I think it was a very well-rounded film and had an incredible cast. Good story. I love a good true story moment. So it had that. Uh, so that that's a good one. I think that's going to be a little bit more of like a mainstream popularity movie, but it was good. Yeah, I also saw the burial. I also thought, you know, it was much better. It was better than I expected. It was so by the books, but it did everything by the books very well. And Jamie Foxx was great. Very great role for him. Fitted very well. And there's so yeah, there's a lot of funny moments, lots of great lines as well that you can appreciate during the movie. You know, a film can be by the book, but if it does it well, it doesn't matter. Um, I'm I'm more than okay. I did not see The Burial. I think, did all of you see The Burial except for me? Shay, you saw it too, right? Yeah, okay. Interesting. I, you know what I love about this is just hearing how everyone is wildly different. I love that. I'm like, this is, this is a testament to how big Tiff really is in so many ways. Um, my number one is Zone of Interest, or the Zone of Interest, which is, if you haven't heard of this film, everything Daniel said is true, and it is just flat out bonkers. Like, this film, I've, I don't say it very often where I say, I haven't seen anything like this before. I haven't seen anything like this before. I think there are some people, I'm just being realistic, I think there are going to be some people that watch it and are going to be bored, just because it is... It, it, it focuses so much on like everyday life and it's like, very analytical, very much. Yeah. There's, there's no big set pieces, but I have never considered the horrors of world war two like this. I mean, this is not a, I'm it's nuts. Uh, I really like days of happiness. Uh, I don't know if any of you saw that one, but I, I really like Days of Happiness. It was a smaller film. 
It's the one that everybody compares to Tar, justifiably so, because it's about a, a female conductor who's involved in a lesbian relationship. And um, but it, I don't know. It, it's it's not Tar. <laughs> Everybody's oh, it's the same thing. It's not the same thing. It's it's not. Um, you you can't say that two movies that have dinosaurs in it are Jurassic Park, you know, they just because the setting is the same. Sure you can't. I think you can. <laughs> okay, maybe. Hey, Jurassic bad example because most of them are. That's true. <laughs> Jurassic Park and Jurassic World are actually they're identical films, but that's not <laughs> bad example. But get the point. We get it. Yeah. Um, I liked Dumb Money. I know that you could critically you could look at and you could tear some things off it but if something is fun and well executed it it wins a lot of points for me and i i really like that film uh teacher's lounge did any of you see the teacher's lounge did you no. see it man that movie doesn't mess around <laughs> that's i i uh i i was very surprised at how good it was not because i didn't think it would be good but because it was one of those ones that i didn't know what is i was getting myself into so i was like okay this uh, you know this uh, i think it was covered by mongrel i want to cover something for mongrel um hooked me up with teacher's lounge and i'm like dang like this 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 movie this movie something um uh, American Fiction, Dream Scenario, I kind of equi uh, equate them in some ways. I thought American Fiction is really well done. Uh, Dream Scenario is is really fun. Um, and, and one more, but I'm going to use this as my answer for my follow-up question here, which is anything that really surprised you this week? Any Any film that really surprised you or was not what you expected it was going to be? And the answer could be no, but I'm just, I'm just curious. I was more surprised at the critic. So I didn't know much about the critic when I went into it. And it was one of the ones that we just kind of snagged some tickets at the last minute so that I could go with my husband for like a date. It was less of a, less of a, you know, a business movie, more of just a, for pleasure. And I guess just based on the picture, and the description on, on the website, I was like, this is going to be kind of weird. I bet there's going to be a relationship between this quite elderly man and this young girl. Like, I'm not sure. And it was completely different from what I expected, um, it, which was good. It was very good. Uh, Paul, my husband particularly liked it. So recommend. That was the one though, that I was a bit distracted at because of the big head in front of me, but putting that aside, it was very good. Definitely surprised me. And then Sir Ian McKellen live streamed in uh, after the film, which was super fun. That's cool. What, what about the rest of you? That's a cool, that's a cool pick. What, what about the rest of you? Any surprises? Fair play surprised me, but it was because I didn't, like, I thought the plot was going to be something different. I thought it was going to be like workplace, for, forbidden workplace romance. Like when you're dating, you're not supposed to be dating. So I thought it was going to be more, oh, they're hiding their relationship. But it ended up being more like a conversation around, around like gender in the workplace and like power dynamics and relationships and 
it was very, very interesting. And the for me, anyway, the stress, my stress meter kept getting higher and higher as the movie kept progressing because of all the things that were going on. And I was like, what is happening? And by the end, you're like, <sighs> like when the movie ends. So I was like, oh, like I was, I was not expecting that at all. Yeah, the poster does not communicate that. <laughs> Tells you nothing. Jason, Daniel, any other surprises? Like for film? Yeah. Anything you saw that really surprised you? Like you went in there and you're like, oh, I didn't know this was going to be that, or I didn't know it was going to be that good. I mean, Gonzo Girl. I uh, I went in, I didn't know what that movie was. And I went in uh, wanting to watch Dix the musical, but it was filled. And I went to the one of the staff for Tess. <laughs> For, they were a volunteer and I was like um what can I rush line or what can I see right now like I, I can't get into Dick's musical I have a lot of time to burn and they said well Gonzo girl you could try to rush line for that and I, so I go downstairs all the way from upstairs to downstairs in the Scotia Bank Theater and I'm like crap uh, this line's pretty big and I asked uh, the lady for tip I'm like is this is this the line for Gonzo girl and she's like yeah unfortunately it's pretty long and then just some random person came and had extra tickets and he's like you want one and they gave it and I had no idea what that movie was at all and I did not will I did not know William Defoe was going to be in it I did not know he was going to show up for the after movie and I knew nothing about the plot or the trailer or that it was going to be based on real life or anything. But I was surprised this guy gave me a free ticket and I'm surprised that this movie even existed. Yeah. Very cool. I love that. I used to love that when people just like, I got a ticket. Who's going to take it? You know, go up and help people in the rush line. I love that. Um, Daniel, any surprises? Um, I didn't think I'd like Evil Does Not Exist as much. Because, I don't know, like, I heard a lot about Drive My Car. I always heard it was good. And Evil Does Not Exist had not as great reception. It was still good. But I end up enjoying that a lot more. American Fiction. I didn't know exactly what that was. I was at the world premiere one. It was before anyone had seen it yet at the festival. And I was like, ah, this, you know, I rush-lined it because it was, seemed like a movie that might be interesting. I like satires. And, yeah, it was, you know, I, I'd seen his track record, so I was hopeful because he had done lots of great tv shows like master of none succession the good place um and yeah he kind of it delivered on the writing for sure um very funny movie um naiad was not what i thought it'd be i thought it'd be a very standard biopic and in some and sometimes it was but then there's other scenes that are very intense almost horror like they're like trying to scare you um some are also like they do the most wild needle drops. They do like Simon and Garfunkel's Darkness My Sound of Silence, which was very interesting in the context of the scene. Um, so that was interesting. Uh, the other one would probably be uh, Mother Couch. I thought it was more just going to be a comedy, but it was like uh, almost trying to be like a Kaufman esque like contemplation on family which i was i didn't think i thought it was going to be more comedy for sure 
And there was funny moments, but it was uh, a lot more trippy than I thought it'd be. I tried to see Mother Couch. I don't know what it was. It was drawing me in, but I couldn't. I couldn't. None of the none of the showings fit with my schedule. Yeah, I heard the concept. I was like, just a grandma. Like the mom sits on the couch and refuses to leave. I'm like, okay, I'm down. Let's go. I'm in. You know what was surprising? Uh, I I only knew it the movie by the title. But Monk with a gun yes. had no gun. I thought it was gonna be a, like a slasher film, and it's gonna be like really cool, like like Danny Yan in John Wick, Monk with a gun. But it was it was like a some kind of peaceful movie about like using your words to solve problems or like in action and like hunger strikes. Words. Yeah. I expect violence. I'm laughing because I'm I'm laughing because the speech we got from Jason, or I got it, maybe it was via text after you came out of the movie was the best. It was I felt so sad for you. Cause you just monk in the gun. No monk, no gun. Like it's like what's going on? It's in the name. That's why it's just YouTube videos of Jay Shetty, <laughs> you know. I, 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 man, I actually felt bad. I was shocked when you told me that story. I was like, "Well, there was hobo in a shot, a hobo with a shotgun a few years ago." It's that that was lived up to its title. Oh man. Uh, yeah. The uh, uh for me, the King Tide. Did anybody see The King Tide? That was a fascinating movie. I didn't know what it was. I think I picked it based on the description. And, and again, it was one that uh, one of our, our publicist friends at VVS was was covering. Um, it, that starts off as a fairy tale and yo, it goes dark. Like it is a it is not what I thought it was going to be at all. I thought it was going to be a fun time and it is it. I mean, it's great film, but it was just a total surprise for me. Humanist vampire seeking consenting suicidal person was a surprise because it was just so. I loved that. Um, Daniel, you really liked that one too, didn't you? I think oh, yeah, it was, it was really great. I enjoyed that a lot. Great, you know, minorly, pretty much low budget Canadian feature, but it really does a lot with the concept very well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, the biggest surprise is kind of a cheat. Like it's in my top five, but I put an asterisk on it because I don't feel like it counts. Uh, stop making sense. And I don't think it counts because it's 40 years old. And that's what. Um, so stop making sense uh, is the is the talking heads, I think. Is it talking heads? Yeah. Talking heads yeah. concert video from 1984. This is the 40th anniversary. People have billed it as the greatest concert video of all time. And I'm like, sure. <laughs> like, I just wanted to go and hear him say, same as it ever was. And that, that was all I wanted to hear. But I knew it was a, I knew it was a big deal. It fit my schedule. I, we actually uh, we got, offered a, got offered a ticket to cover it. And I'm like, sure. Fine, I'll go see this movie. 
and I did, I, I was shocked at how impressed I really was. Like I, the, the phrase greatest concert video of all time is a, it's a massive, massive statement for anything. But um, I, I'm going to operate under the assumption that none of you have seen it. Is that a safe assumption? Yeah. It, the, what that man is able to do with almost no stage, stage lighting, you know, now we have the big screens and, and you know, all these fancy tricks. I, listen, it was two hours of a band that I don't really follow, and I was almost never bored. I say I think there was about two or three songs out of 15 that I was like, I'm not interested in this, because he's interesting. And like the first song is just him with guitar. The second song, the bass player comes out. The third song, the drummer comes out. And it's just little by little by little, they're assembling the stage song after song. It was fascinating. And I thought, my gosh, I actually could see it. And all the other concert documentary or concert videos I've seen over the years, I actually felt like were influenced by this one. And there are little things I saw and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And I'm, I'm a huge U2 fan. And I still think Zoo TV is the best concert video I've ever seen. I love it. I think it's phenomenal. But I can see so much of this in that. And that, that was 10 years after. Um, so, I mean, that was a huge surprise for me. I didn't expect to be coming out of that and thinking that, you know, it was going to be something special. But it is it is quite good. Um, well, okay, final question. Final question for you all. Was there anything you learned at TIFF this year? And it can be anything. Doesn't matter. Um, you can, you can say that you learned, uh, what your favorite food truck is. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> so something you learned though, could be from the films, could be from the experience that you learned from the festival. Yeah. I mean, the cornmeal empanadas were pretty good, but anyway, putting <laughs> that aside, um, you know what I learned? So film can affect our lives so significantly um but I kind of wanted to be more intentional with my choices this year so I I really paid attention to uh the descriptions of the film and the you know the tones of the film and the uh the topics because I wanted to make sure for my own mental health that I wasn't going to be triggered by certain things um so I I definitely learned a little bit more about not only how film can affect our lives, but how we can sort of, you know, guide the content that we consume. You know what I mean? We do it with, with TV and music and stuff like that. So why can't I kind of use the film festival in that way as well? So uh, just, I guess, being a little bit more intentional with that sort of thing. Great. Absolutely, Jules. Um, anyone else? I still feel like, well, I saw more films this year anyway, but I think I saw more like international films as well. So films from like different continents. And I noticed the theme in a lot of the films I saw. I was saying they had, they had like this anti-capitalist, anti-colonial, whatever, like uh, theme to them. Um, and I just find it interesting that 
like they're all from different parts of the world but like that same through line of like the greed of humans really can destroy like communities and people and families and things like that and a lot of them were saying saying things like that um which I found very interesting and then also something I think I learned this year I really do th think that I think that the films can stand on their own that's what I wrote down I think like because of the festival we have like all the stars coming the writers the actors whoever and so they bring a lot of hype but like not having a lot of them this year and just seeing how much I enjoy the festival anyway I think the films they've been made for a reason and they can really like convey they can they can they can what is it support themselves I think in a lot of ways I love that. That was something I was thinking too, is it, it really put an emphasis on the films this year um, in a lot of ways because and it, it may not, it may have, I don't know what, if they took any hits financially because I mean, uh, you know, people want to see their favorite stars, but it put the focus on the films. And I think you're, I think you're right. Absolutely. Like they, they do stand on their own. Um, yeah, for sure. Jason, Daniel, anything you learned? Um, probably that I actually prefer it without uh, stars to some extent, because for one, it kind of, you know, not to be mean to those people, it's fine that they want to see their favorite stars, but that's, you know, when they're only there for that, it's, you know, it's, it's whatever. Um, I also found that not everyone even knows what they're watching because there was this old couple that came into uh lulu wong's tv show expats and first they have their tickets in their hands so i guess they've been relying on people the whole time to tell them where to go so they come into the row because i guess they figured that out and then they're like can you read what seats are on our tickets so i do that for them obviously like it's six and seven you know just one over from me to the left and then a little bit later they're like you know, do you know what it's called? What well, the movie? And I'm like, oh, it's called Expats. And and I was like, I don't know, it just made me wonder how how did they get here? You know? <laughs> like I, you know, how how did they get here before TIFF volunteers and staff were helping them out getting into the theater? <laughs> but did um just wander in off the street. <laughs> it was funny. Where am I? <laughs> yeah. Um the other reason I didn't like the celebrities because when Nick Cage showed up, that the street area because they closed off the road, of course, the street on the Roy Thompson side got so clustered, it took that was maybe the longest like two minutes of my life. It was, <laughs> and there's also the beer like the beer garden that they had or whatever also squished it in so much that uh, was not great. I also learned you can actually get premium tickets. Uh, as part of your press package, because I was going into it thinking, oh, public tickets, you know, I guess public to me equals regular, even though, you know, that's just what my brain thought, even though I was like, oh, you know, the premium ones are definitely public too. So that counts. But that's what I wasn't, I wasn't thinking that at first. So then I ended up switching a couple in the end. And I kept switching and I kept switching until, you know, I didn't actually use all my uh, press tickets. I left like three in the end. So I was just like, ah, I'm not, I don't need to see this certain things. Just, I was like, I need sleep more than I need to see this movie. 
And, and actually, I can't make fun of that couple either because that's pretty much how I got American fiction. So <laughs> it was like, I knew where I was going. I, uh, I, Shane, I, I knew what I was seeing, but I was like, I, I'll just go to this. I don't know what it is. I read it. Oh, satire, sure, whatever. It didn't look inter interesting to me. I just sort of went, <laughs> but I loved it. I loved it. Um. Yeah, I uh, okay, so for me I feel like what I learned this year is a little different in that I feel like uh the death of normal was a big theme for me this year. It felt like that kept coming up in other films. Uh whether it was fitting in or monster um in some ways a film like uh Next Goal Wins and I say I use the term normal in quotes. Um but I, there were a few films that talked about, actually used the term normal. And it was the first time I'd really seen it. This, this idea of what, the idea of how nor, normal can be almost a toxic word. Um, because it, it limits what's acceptable was really interesting. And say, this person fits in this box or they don't. If they don't fit in the box, then that they're not normal. And that could be all sorts of things. It could be it could be a mental health issue. It could be uh, gender, racial, sexuality. It could be all these things. But I, I just I really saw that as a key theme this year in the films I saw. And not everyone, but it just kept coming up. Was one of those things. Um, I think that was a really interesting thing that I've been wrestling with ever since I left the festival. Was was this idea of the death of normal. Um, and to go completely the other way, I also learned that the Royal Alex might be my favorite theater. That's a that was a good theater to see films in. I was glad they shifted over. I I did not go there last year, so this was kind of cool to see some some films there. But I haven't seen any in there yet. I'm looking forward to that next year. Yeah, it's cool because it's got the Princess of Wales vibe, but it's got the intimacy of. Um, of Roy Thompson in some ways, like everything feels close. Yeah. So. I never liked Roy Thompson. The Sorry. only time I enjoyed Roy Thompson was when I was basically a few rows from the front, right? But I've seen movies there all the way at the back on like the third deck. Not cute. <laughs> uh, Daniel, what was that you were saying? Oh, just that I think. Royal Alexandra has a good combination, like like you said, it had a good combination. It doesn't feel as squished as Princess of Wales either, but still very much that venue event type of feel. Um, yeah, 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 I agree. Um, well, this was so much fun. Thank you all so much. Thank you all to. I, I will say first, thank you to so many of the our friends at uh, Elevation. The Tarot Group, Route 504, VVS, Mongrel, um, Cinematic Red, um, EGPR. Like, there's just so many great companies that we've had the chance to work with over the years, and they continue. I hope I didn't miss any there. If I did, I apologize. Um, but uh, certainly, like, we, the, we've had some great experiences. We continue to. Uh, they're the ones that give us these interviews and stuff that I, that I absolutely love. It's a big part of the festival. 
And thank you to you four as well, honestly. Uh, to those who are listening at home, maybe you've never done the festival before. Uh, I've had these conversations with them. Maybe you've never done the festival before. If you have and you think, oh, that would be a lot of fun to see a lot of movies. It is. It's a ton of work. <laughs> it's a hard, it, it is a gauntlet. It is, it is as fun as it is. Um, this whole team has worked their tail off this year in preparation and trying to figure out schedules and coordinate, go see films, run in all that stuff. So thank you to the four of you for your hard work this year. Um, and I'm looking forward to TIFF 24. So. Yeah. Thank you, Steve, for being kind of the glue, the backbone. We really appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you. That's very kind. Um, okay. Well, I mean, I guess this is, uh, thank you. Uh, last thoughts before we wrap up. I remembered one of my favorite uh, moments really quick, if you don't mind, was during the holdover and the, uh, the director came out and was talking before the film saying, look out for the, the liquor store scene there. The, the person who plays the liquor store clerk actually works at the liquor store that they, you know, uh, vetted as this location that they wanted to film at. And he was like dying to have a line in the film. And he's like, well, actually, yeah, I, I do have a line for you. And, and basically, you know, I won't get into all the details, but when the scene came up, when the, the clerk came up and said his one line, I, I've never heard a TIFF audience cheer that loudly. Like they were all just like, yes, this liquor store clerk, this real guy off the street in Boston. And, and it was, it was incredible. I love the vibe. Anyway, uh, last thoughts. Um, I guess I'll talk to you guys next year and, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I can't wait to do yeah, this. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to do this again next year, but, but to also, you know, keep plugging away throughout, throughout the next year. Absolutely. Any, anyone else? If I can say also very quickly, um, I wrote on like my Twitter after after Tiff. I was like Tiff reminded me that films, films are or should be more than just the bottom line, and I think even like going back to the anti-capitalist theme I was seeing, and with what's going on with like the strikes and stuff, um, just like seeing how important they can be in our lives and telling us about history or just helping us dream. This is very an art, very artsy thing to say, but um, I think they're they're more important than how much money they can make and how much money they can make people or make us or whatever and maybe this time is, is a good time for all of us to kind of redefine or like remember the place of film in our lives and so I just want to put that out there in case some CEO is watching this for some reason I love that I love that it's a great point uh, guys final thoughts that you can say no i'm just asking uh just that it was an absolute privilege and um it's always great to be at a film festival and especially something as expansive as tiff and just see a place where you know especially because it was more about the filmmakers but it's just that filmmakers get like so many of them a lot you know new voices old voices you know people have been making movies for decades to people literally made their first feature all getting the opportunity to kind of share their films with an audience who's really enthusiastic about it. 
and hopefully like you know getting a boost in the public eye to you know hopefully you know not everyone obviously will see like 32 films like steve and i but you know that one of these films might be something that because of tiff comes on their radar and they'll really enjoy it and maybe even have some impact on their life you know it's really cool to think about that stories matter it sounds cliche almost it's so simple it almost sounds cliche but they do and uh yeah i love i love that this is keeps coming up in this conversation for sure um jason i'm putting you on the spot but if you don't have any final thoughts that's okay maybe i'll i learned the one that i mentioned take off work next year for the week i've been work and watching all these movies at the same time and it was like you're a little sleepy <laughs> you so, do it ain't easy man it ain't easy yeah um, going to the theater once on a weekend with on a date with a bucket of popcorn that's easy you know try trying to crash down festival street because you got 15 because you got five minutes between screenings and you're not sure if you're going to make it that's that ain't easy <laughs> especially when nicholas cage rolls up that's Ooh. right the longest two minutes of your life yeah <laughs> i had a you know you know in that you know the point in dream scenario steve that that was me that's what i that's what i was thinking about him <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, hundred percent. That's uh, yeah. and 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 you don't want to, but you just do anyway. <laughs> um, absolutely. Thank you all. We'll wrap it up here. Um, and for you at home, we started the conversation. This was Screenfish.